Microphone check, one, two, what is this? It's the five foot seven assassin in the podcast business. I am your host, Rohan Patra, the rap music plug at your service. Here we are again at the end of the rap music plug podcast presented by QLC TV is the remedy to the I don't have anything good to listen to problem. Through in-depth album and song reviews, as well as artist interviews and general rap commentary sprinkled in between on all of what the mainstream and underground rap scenes have to offer, this is your one-stop shop to knowing what to add to your queue, play next, or pop into your record player. Welcome to the show. Separating the artist from the art is a constant refrain as it relates to the music of Kanye West. The argument being that you can't separate Kanye's music from the larger-than-life context that he inhabits, for better or for worse. But just like I agree you indeed cannot separate an artist like Kanye from his art, I think a under-discussed or different kind of side of that coin is that you also can't separate the listener's inherent biases and life circumstances from their experience consuming the art either. I'm obviously not breaking any new ground here. Obviously, as listeners, we bring our own lives and experiences into the act of listening and consuming a piece of music. But for me, with Kanye, he's played a particularly important role in my life that simply cannot be removed from the equation when it comes to how I take in his music. So I feel it's relevant to address the uniquely personal context that this review of the new Kanye West album Donda is being created from, which I think will very clearly show that music discussion, criticism, whatever you want to call it, can't be objective and in my opinion is more interesting and multi-dimensional when one factors in the context behind their feelings towards a given record and why you may come to these conclusions and have these certain opinions on a piece of art and also plainly speaking here i want to take this time to get a few things off my chest personally and i want to share a piece of myself through the lens of Kanye West. So on Donda, the Chicago Legends 10th studio album, not only do the themes of loss come through loud and clear from Kanye, but as it relates to my personal experience with this album and Kanye's music generally, Donda serves as an unfortunate representation or reminder of loss in my own life in a few different ways. As the figurative loss of my favorite artist that used to inspire me, but also loss that is far more significant than that. As this album was my breakup album, essentially. And finally, larger than the scope of just this Donda album, my experience with Donda brought to mind my whole relationship with Kanye's music, which was birthed from the biggest loss of all, the loss of my mom. So I'm going to get pretty personal now, 
Therefore, if you want me to just shut up and review, there will be a timestamp that you can go to in the description if you want to just skip to the core review of Donda and the, how the music sounded and all that. Alright, let's do it. Part of me doesn't really understand why I'm gonna go in this little personal diatribe direction, but I feel like it will be therapeutic. But also, I think it'll show a lot of context to my eventual conclusions and opinions on Kanye and Donda as an album. Okay, so I connect with Kanye's music more than most because he was the first artist that made me feel something and very plainly helped me in a time of need. As I prepared for this review, I had a light bulb moment as I realized for the first time that my very first moments truly diving into music directly coincided with the death of my mother. It seems like an obvious connection to make, honestly, when you think about it, but I just genuinely never realized until legitimately right now. 2005 was the year, I was 10 years old, and I remember listening to my first full album at the time, Kanye's Late Registration, with uh, my best friend at the time, Jeff. We would listen to it together, on his iPod Nano by sharing those classic but trash iPod earbuds during recess. And from that point forward, through the aid of Kanye's music primarily, I think I really started to begin healing from the death of my mother that still to this day feels like something that truly hasn't all the way registered with me emotionally. Instead, music was the main channel where I actually unconsciously, was able to sort of process these feelings of confusion, anger, sadness. And at the time, there was no one's music I played more than Kanye West. 808s and Heartbreak came out a few years later in 2008 and was the first CD I ever bought, which was supposed to be a gift for my sister. But turns out that my initial choice for a gift, Paper Trail by T.I., was sold out. So I settled for 808s and Heartbreak, a copy I found at my local Best Buy. And 2008 was, for me, the first time that I feel like this latent depression that I had had for years began to be something I slowly but surely acknowledged and recognized. And I credit listening to 808s as being a key reason why I began to be able to lay the foundation for this self-understanding, I guess you could say. And at the time, I know I didn't consciously gravitate to 808s as some way to indulge in my feelings about my mother passing or my general feelings of sadness that I had at the time, seeing as 808s, of course, had Kanye wallow in his sadness from the loss of his mother, Donda West, and his failed engagement with his fiance. But at the same time, I absolutely do know that I did this in hindsight. I was leaning on 808s for far more than its groundbreaking traits that helped shape hip hop as we know and love it today. Because although I surely would say I liked the album at the time, for years I never truly acknowledged how much I actually loved it. After playing it for months and months on end when it first dropped, I avoided that album very distinctly for many years after, mainly because it would 
bring back those really raw and fresh, uncomfortable memories that I just didn't want to think about. This deeper connection, though, with Kanye's music doesn't end there in the slightest. In 2010, when I broke my arm in my second football practice ever, I felt like a complete weakling and failure. Good Fridays, though, and his magnum opus, Dark Twisted Fantasy, were releasing right around that time and gave me something to be excited for and genuinely lifted my spirits to just not lay down and give up but instead rise up to the challenge, recover quickly, and actually start working out seriously. Even in 2011, as this depression I was slowly beginning to acknowledge now started to really permeate my day-to-day life very negatively, seeing me grow more listless and discouraged with life by the day, I remember having to be bedridden, stuck at home like a vegetable due to wisdom teeth surgery during that summer. But lo and behold, right when I needed it, I had the fun Watch the Throne CD in my hands that had just dropped, playing it nonstop, which honestly made that experience so much more bearable and helped curb the self-loathing that I was starting to aggressively feed into around that time in my life. And now fast forward 10 years later, as my musical tastes have expanded tenfold and I've matured in dog years, I feel, since. Kanye isn't at all the same force in my life that he used to be, not just in terms of, like, he's the only artist I listened to back then, and I definitely don't do that now. I just mean generally. I don't keep up with the guy like that. I don't listen to him like that. I still obviously love a lot of his music, but it's obviously not the same. He's not this demigod that I used to really look up to in the past. I've actually grown to dislike many parts of who Kanye is now, or at least detach somewhat from the Kanye that many of us are disappointed to see nowadays. And yet, once again, a Kanye album drops with almost divine timing. As currently, I find myself dealing with a breakup from a very special girl, along with developing a growing sense of detachment, dissatisfaction with myself, my friends, where I live, what I stand for as a man. Plain and simple, I just feel very alone and very confused. I distinctly remember playing Donda in the car consistently during the final month of me living together with my ex. Specifically on September 1st, too, when I helped her move out, driving back and forth between the two apartments. It was an album she liked and I liked, so I played this more often than not. And during these car rides, we would surely talk amicably and normally for the most part, like we typically would. But we would also share many moments where we would both sit in silence as this album played, where I just know that we both simultaneously, momentarily got sucked into the sadness and fear related to us breaking up. Those blank stares looking out into the distance through my Chevy Impala windshield is something that I'll never forget. A month has passed now, and while my state of mind is generally better, 
I know I'm mentally running away from these feelings of loss, trying to keep busy with the podcast and building a good health routine and all that. But whenever I put Donda on, I'm transported back to those times in my car, listening to Moon and feeling like it was written for us in that very moment. To sum all this up, Kanye's music has helped me process emotions, find a sense of joy, confidence, and passion too. And one of the primary reasons outside of this divine timing that his releases have kind of coincided with big life events or meaningful life events for me is that I actually see a part of myself in Kanye. To me, Kanye's music in general makes me confront my own vanity inside of me. Because what is Kanye if not for vain? If someone does X, obviously it's because something I did or I said. If Y happens, obviously it's because something I did or I said or didn't do or didn't say. This idea that every single result and outcome in your life is somehow related to something you specifically did is a sort of destructive internal locus of control issue that I battle with every single day. This is the same destructive tendency that I feel he and I really possess, which serves as a jet fuel for people like Kanye, feeding this godlike level of confidence and belief in themselves that we have come accustomed to seeing from Kanye. Because if you genuinely think that just about every success or failure in your life is truly a result of your own doing and that alone, Imagine the incredible highs you must feel when you're as successful as a Kanye is. And then imagine the incredible lows you must feel whenever you experience fierce criticism, negativity, or tragic loss. I'm not saying I'm Kanye. That's stupid. I'm not. But some of my most active character traits I feel are very similar to Kanye's. Not only do we have this intense internal locus of control, as I just explained, where we feel like we have the weight of our world on our shoulders, but we also are dreamers at our core, with the belief that achieving our dreams is basically in our hands if we just try hard enough and make the right decisions. This can lead to self-destructive behavior and I think can lead to very toxic behavior too. It's obviously nice to be really idealistic and have a internal locus of control that can be very motivating for you to pursue these lofty dreams that I have and that I, I mean, we all see that Kanye has. But we can also see this negatively manifest in Kanye's recent conservative beliefs and kind of ventures and thoughts that he's thrown out into the ether that... I obviously don't like. As one of many examples of quote-unquote successful people negating the important societal structures that impact one's life and relating the outcomes of anybody's life strictly to one's own actions. It's that pull-yourself-up-by-your-bootstraps mentality that just drives me insane. But all this leads me to say that even when I don't like what Kanye's doing or saying, I get where he's coming from almost all the time. And that's rare 
And that allows me to really look at Kanye's music specifically with a very unique lens. So as they say, this concludes my TED Talk. Whew, that felt good to get off my chest. So now when I proceed to talk about my thoughts on Donda specifically, I hope you can understand where I'm coming from. I appreciate Kanye's music differently. And often that means that I still find a certain level of enjoyment or appreciation in his music that most don't. But that doesn't mean I'm a stan and doesn't mean I can't be realistic in my thoughts. My opinion on this album and just like any other album is biased, like all opinions. That's a huge point I'm trying to make here obviously because after all that I've said, how can't I be biased when listening to a Kanye album? That's just stupid to even expect. It's just this weird objectivist narrative that's been going on related to music criticism that I just want to dead. Because being biased is natural with something subjective like art. We're not talking about math here. So yes, I'm biased with Kanye, but my opinion, I can assure you, is not invalid. So, so far in this episode, I've only really touched on, though, the loss of my mother and my relationship, but I haven't really explained that last point that I made earlier about Donda reminding me or representing the loss of this superhero-like figure in Kanye that I used to look up to. On the contrary, you may think I have this glowing view of the guy and his music still. And to address that, let's actually get into the review now of the music on Donda, and you'll see what I mean when I say that there's been aesthetic and personal qualities related to Kanye as a person and his music that have unfortunately soured over the years. So let's dive first into this massively long record of Donda and discuss how it actually sounds like from a production standpoint, which has obviously been Kanye's bread and butter. The production on Donda is the logical progression of his sound post the life of Pablo and Yeezus, and is honestly exactly what I've been looking for from him. Put aside the actual quality of the sounds Kanye and team brought together here for a second, a key point to discuss is that the sound of Donda has an identity. This is very important because up until Ye, the sound of a Kanye album could be very easily summed up in just a few words. College Dropout was wholesome, chipmunk soul. Graduation was electro-infused stadium rap anthems. 808s was cold and moody. Dark Twisted Fantasy was a maximalist display of all that Kanye had created thus far. Ye, though? I couldn't tell you. It was just a set of songs from Kanye. Jesus is King actually did have an identity, to be fair, but it was a fraudulent one. Donda, on the other hand, is in stark contrast with Jesus is King, where the gospel elements don't feel duct taped on in order to just save the album from a lack of ideas. Instead, Donda features cutting edge, space age, futuristic rap and trap vibes mixed in with gospel elements that were really tastefully incorporated this time around. The instrumentals on Donda feel very intentional and cohesive even when they don't always yield the best results. 
the creative energy is truly back into Kanye's music for the first time in a long time. Take a track like Lord I Need You, for example, that shows off the gospel elements on Donda so beautifully. It featured stunning vocals from the Sunday Service Choir, which I just really loved. The way that Kanye and team layered the vocals on this song are just perfect. It gives the track such an enchanting and vulnerable lullaby-like quality to it that I just loved. The transition too to the wheezy beat in the second half of this song was incredible too. 24 is a purely gospel-infused melodic track that really works well, surprisingly well, honestly. Hurricane 2 is another absolute standout that includes a burst of choir vocals alongside Weekend's chorus that is just spectacular. And it also shows how these hooks on Donda are just powerhouses, plain and simple. It was a great decision for Kanye to get The Weekend to redo his vocals on the Hurricane hook, which we actually heard in leaks for what was then called Yandi a shelved 2019 Kanye album two years ago. Because The Weeknd turned such a cute melody into an actual all-out home run. And Jonah, my god, Jonah Sees Vori, featured three times on this album, absolutely steal the show on this guest appearance with an incredibly beautiful hook that rivals The Weeknd one I just mentioned. Moon is an unbelievably beautiful track that has gorgeous singing from Don Tolliver and Cuddy with Kanye jumping in towards the end for one of the most vulnerable and moving moments on the album. Donda seriously features some of the catchiest songs of Kanye's entire career. Off the Grid is another absolutely dope track on here that I definitely need to highlight, featuring drill-influenced production that makes me feel like I'm listening to the future, honestly. It just blends so many sounds together in such a progressive way that I just loved. Off the Grid wasn't simply just a rehash of what's popping in the mainstream right now, which is not the same that I could say about Kanye's output post The Life of Pablo and even some tracks on The Life of Pablo. The minimalism too on Donda is also more in line with what I actually liked on Yeezus from the standpoint that it allows the listener to appreciate the finer details of the music and serves to accentuate the elements that are actually still present in the beat versus simply just sounding like it should have been beefed up more instrumentally like the production was on Ye and Jesus is King. There's also a certain kind of looseness that makes this album feel very raw at times and again unlike these past few records it seemed to be loose due to uncharacteristically sloppy execution or a lack of focus. But with Donda, there's like a purpose to it. It feels like even the end result, notwithstanding at times, is fascinating. And finally, there's a lot of parts within the sound of this record that don't fit into a box. Parts of songs are club ready, radio friendly, but then other parts of songs within the same songs are just too slow, experimental, or gospel-infused to really fit in one particular venue or mood. For example, Believe What I Say 
is an incredible, incredible example of another hook I forgot to mention earlier that is just outstanding with Kanye showing such improved singing vocals too that just have to be noted. They're, they're phenomenal on this track. But then on this song that's like a tailor-made for a club, there's just this random monologue. Well, it's not random, but for the purposes of what this song theoretically could be achieving, which is making a pop radio-friendly hit, it just divulges into this monologue of this guy speaking for almost a minute or longer right in the middle of the track and then finishes off with 30 seconds of the hook again. It's just very strange. It's non-conforming songwriting that is back on a Kanye album though and it's nice to see. The gospel elements mentioned in the production obviously play a huge part in this album's lyrical themes as well. And if we keep with that thought in mind that I mentioned earlier related to Kanye's uniquely strong internal locus of control where everything in his life is a result of something he did or didn't do, for better or for worse, I find that frames Kanye's recent headfirst dive into Christianity in a way that I haven't seen talked about anywhere else. Because after being someone who put himself at the center of every occurrence of his life, he has basically done a 180 and submitted to God. But if you actually think about it for a second, about how Kanye is doing this and how many others worship religion, he has basically transferred this ultimate causation of all that has happened in his life to a God that is now the new sole controller of his life versus it being him himself previously. Absent of this ideology, of course, is the understanding that maybe life just happened this way due to sheer chance and a pure luck of the draw. Because at a fundamental level, Kanye is still, in a way, keeping that control of his life within himself. But now it's through the vessel of God, where as long as he praises God, he's a good Christian, he will be blessed and led to happiness. I find this dynamic really resonates with me as I detailed at the beginning of this episode because I can relate to this inability to just accept that there isn't a necessary rhyme or reason for everything. And in the case of both of our experiences, the one occurrence that absolutely defies all of this belief that we are in control of our own lives is the loss of our mothers. This is the event in Kanye's life that many have pointed to as quote-unquote changing Kanye that signaled the new Kanye and the loss of the old Kanye. But I think speaking about this in this particular way and in this particular context, I think makes that transformation of Kanye make a bit more sense because what could be more impactful to really fuck up how you interpret the world and how it works as a person who believes very narcissistically that everything in your life is a result of your doing and you are in control then your mom that obviously you loved and was so pivotal in shaping who you are dies and this is why on donda this line of thinking explains the feeling i get from this album's and it's like exploration about religion and all that, that he's less expressing his love and belief 
devout belief of God, but more trying to speak this belief into existence. Almost like he's trying to convince himself that God will in fact take care of him, that it's okay, God is in control. Versus accepting the fact that, hey, many things in life, like his mom dying, just happened for no particular reason at all. This is what makes Donda feel like it's searching for some sort of truth or salvation without actually landing on anything concrete. Making the album feel like it's hinting at something more substantial, more insightful, but rarely completes the thought and I think suffers because of this. Now what I've been saying up until now is showing the layers to Kanye as a person, from my point of view of course. But the question that necessarily needs to be asked next is, did he actually portray the complexity and the layers in the music itself? Although his magical hands shaped an impressive sound for this album, Kanye's deteriorated lyrical abilities bring Donda down. This deep understanding I have for Kanye as a person could have led me to uncover some very interesting explorations into the way he sees the world without his mother or his marriage, but Kanye actually has to deliver this complexity and nuance in the lyrics. I can't just project it all into the music myself. But unfortunately, we get occasional depth related to his spiritual search that he's on, very sparse flashes of greatness, occasional corny dad raps, all delivered with a flow that has weakened significantly from Ye's peak. I do find it commendable that he actually is trying to do some new things with his delivery on this album, but they're hit and miss. For instance, I loved the flow on Praise God. That was just so catchy. I love that. On Off the Grid too, it was really nice to see Kanye rap with that kind of proficiency on his final verse on Off the Grid. I thought that was highly energetic and, and very entertaining. But then Junior, whatever that was that he was doing that he calls a flow was just so annoying. It was just so weird, not in a good way, in a very bad way. Jesus Lord was one of the truly great lyrical moments on this record. I did love the way Kanye painted this lyrical picture detailing a broken family and the downstream results of being in that situation coupled with a fantastic J Electronica verse. My God, he left Earth. That was insane. But to Kanye, it was nice seeing Kanye be a fully coherent lyricist again. But overall, this album lyrically is just too lightweight or just corny at times for its own good. And if you tack on the nonsense context that surrounded this album's release with DaBaby and Marilyn Manson, the overall package of Donda just does not do its weighty thematic scope of loss and salvation justice. And that now leads us to this inescapable, ugly context that surrounded this album. Because this headfirst venture into heavy Christianity for Kanye has seen him exude an ignorant and dangerous worldview that Jesus will wash away all of our sins. The baby who recently made nonsensical homophobic remarks related to gay people and HIV and then tripled down on them unnecessarily and then 
Marilyn Manson, who's just an absolute freak show who is alleged to have sexually assaulted multiple women, both were added to Jail Part 2, a basic bonus track of sorts on this album, and who were also brought onto stage to Kanye's third and final listening party to a very understandably negative public reaction. And I sense that Kanye is taking a very fundamentalist approach that even these people can be saved by God. And it's this ignorance and detachment between Kanye and real life that is amplified in moments like this. And it just really leaves a bad taste in my mouth. If even just one person thinks that Kanye is straight promoting Manson and DaBaby as either having done things that are, I don't know, not actually a big deal, or even representing behavior Kanye cosigns himself, that's a huge problem. Like, just think about the influence Kanye has on especially the younger generation. They will buy whatever the hell this guy sells them. So imagine how destructive this kind of behavior can be, especially when you factor in that Kanye has remained completely silent on this matter, not providing even some potential clarity to this dangerously sloppy message of forgiveness that he's going for, at least in my opinion. It's awful and opens the door for society's worst actors to use this as a moment to prop up Kanye as some anti-PC, anti-woke hero, similar to what ended up happening with that ghoul Candace Owens and like I'm just assuming Tucker Carlson talked about this on his stupid show and propped up Kanye for sticking it to the libtards or some crap like that. So that's why these kinds of things are just very flatly not good. All of this not only leaves a bad taste in my mouth, but it, it feeds into this greater narrative I'm trying to paint for you with Kanye. Which is that after his mom's death, he went from peak narcissism on Yeezus, pretty much, to peak Jesus on Donda, in a search to find an explanation for how his life is, seeing himself as the master controller prior, and now seeing this controller as God. And although I can understand what he's going through, it doesn't mean that what he's doing with his influence and his power is okay. It's just not. Another notable aspect of this album is that it's the first time I can think of where Kanye's presence on a Kanye album is reduced to extremely low levels, that's one point, and the second more notable point is that it's actually better for it. Because unlike previous albums that featured a long and star-studded guest list, the spotlight was always on Kanye. At no point on an album like Dark Twisted Fantasy did this very personal and aspirational album put its main character in the background. And at no point did the main character in Kanye ever fail to deliver just an absolutely fantastic performance that was both emotional and lyrically strong. That being said though, the features on Donda did bring their A-game. In typical Kanye fashion, he once again brought out the best of his collaborators. But these are A-games coming from B, C, and D-level artists for the most part. 
Gone are the days that he was propping up budding superstars and Justin Vernon or Frank Ocean, collaborating with lyrical heavyweights like Freeway, Most Def, or rejuvenating the careers of Pusha T and Common through his classic work with them. He's now rubbing shoulders with the type of popular rap that tends to lack in lyrical substance and general lyrical ability. I do appreciate the guests actually sticking to the themes of this album pretty well for the most part. I just wish these great feature performances were given by a better crop of artists. Finally, the last point I want to make about Donda is that it features songs that are different levels of grooming. You have the beginning portion of the album that feels the most complete and inventive. These songs felt full with all of the details in the atmosphere and the mixing taken care of so pristinely, something that we've come to expect from a Kanye record. But then there's the middle part, starting with Junya, that has the largest concentration of half-baked ideas, where tracks like Heaven and Hell show a lot of promise, but lack a certain bite in Kanye's lyrics, and the triumphant choir vocals that come in at the end, I feel should have been louder, like we heard in the second listening party version of this track. And then we have a final closing part of the album, starting from Keep My Spirit Alive, that has good songs, but with sections of these tracks that are just not nearly to the level Kanye is known for. I'm thinking of production that's just decent, like on Jesus Lord and Keep My Spirit Alive, and it's decent but not fantastic features from Griselda, for example. These two songs are the strongest lyrically on this album, mostly, with instrumental elements that are good in parts, but as two long-ass tracks, the simplicity doesn't work in its favor musically. I'm also thinking of Tell the Vision's pointless inclusion on the album that just made no sense, featuring a demo zombie-like pop smoke, or No Child Left Behind that is still amazing, I really love the song, yet misses the beautiful backing choir vocals during Kanye's finishing refrain that was present on that second Listening Party Atlanta version once again, which would have just been the perfect icing on the cake to a track that was already so good. With just about every song on Donda, although I really do love a good amount of them, there's almost always some aspect of the song that brings it down a notch or two, whether it be somewhat lacking verses that holds even the best of these tracks back from being straight amazing, or strong features from average artists. I don't think Donda is actually lacking in cohesion though, which is actually strange considering how long it is and how many different sounds are on this album, but it flows really well, actually. I think it's mostly, though, within the songs themselves that many edits to shrink the runtime would have been beneficial or many tweaks to certain aspects of the beats or rewrites of lyrical moments on this album could have really been helpful. So yeah, this episode honestly took years off my life. Uh, I really wanted to do something different with this because I honestly was maybe not even going to review Donda considering all that nonsense that was going on around the release of the album. But I thought it would be very inauthentic to not talk about a Kanye album considering the lengthy history and connection I have with his music. So... I wanted to do this, I wanted to talk about the music, but also get some stuff off my chest and kind of have a therapeutic aspect, personally, for this review as well. So, 
I hope I was able to successfully show how Kanye is so stitched into my life and how my experience with his music and connection with him as a person allows me to come to conclusions related to Kanye as a person and his music generally that I think are different than what you may hear other places. I liked Donda, honestly, quite a bit. So much more than I honestly thought. I thought it'd be terrible. But it was good. I just know that it would have been better, though, and I would have been able to fully embrace this album had the man behind this persona been in a better headspace and or was making Kanye-level brilliant musical decisions all the time versus just most of the time and or was simply working with a better set of collaborators and brought superior lyricism himself. But that wasn't the case, so for Kanye West Donda, I give it a low 7 on 10. So this concludes today's episode of the Rap Music Plug podcast presented by QLC TV. I hope this episode gave you some fresh new perspectives on the latest rap releases, as well as a recommendation for the next great rap record to add to your collection. If you're an artist looking to level up your career, getting more gigs, album sales, merch sales, whatever it may be, I would love to help you with that by providing you artist development and writing services. So if you're interested, contact me via email at qlctv.podcast at gmail.com or hit me up via Twitter or Instagram at rapmusicplugpod. I would be honored to lend my expertise and help you grow your career as an artist. And also for regular rap fans that just want to hear more quality commentary on the genre, follow me on Twitter and Instagram as well. For exclusive content and updates related to the show, follow the Rap Music Plug podcast on Facebook to help the show grow and ensure that everyone's listening to the best rap music at all times. Follow the show on the podcast platform of your choice. Make sure you leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts so that the show can be spotlighted by that wonderful algorithm and be exposed to more people. You can find all of this information along with exclusive playlists created by myself by clicking the link that's in the episode's notes. So that's all for today. Talk to you soon. Peace.